The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant, and there came flashes of lightning, rumbling peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. Revelation 11, 15 through 19. We are in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, last week we studied uh, kind of the theme for the whole book in Revelation, excuse me, Romans, that's funny, Romans uh, in verse uh, 16 and 17. Look back at verse 16 and remember what we studied last week. We need to focus on God's salvation as part of our mission statement. And believers are to act like they have the solution to every problem in the world. And he gives the example to the Jews first and to the Greeks. The Jews were the religious people of the day. The Greeks were, let's say, the non-religious people of the day. And the gospel message meets the needs of both groups. And then we talked in verse 17 about focusing on God's righteousness the believers are to act like they're displaying God's righteousness by their living faith. And verse 17 says, For it's in the righteousness of God is revealed, if you mark, if you mark in your Bibles, underlying reveal, reveal from faith to faith. In other words, uh, present tense, our faith will reveal righteousness if we live by faith. And people will see the righteousness of God by us living by faith. Now that brings us to verse 18. And there's a divide between verse 17 and 18. And you need to notice it. Verses 1 through 17, Paul basically talks about himself and his mission to the people in Rome. It's written from his perspective. So we, over the last few weeks, I don't know how many now, but we've been taking Paul's example of how to do ministry and applied it to ourselves and to our church. But today is the first, first, first issue of theology that he needs to bring to us. His first issue of theology, which is essential as he explains the gospel message throughout the book of Romans and how to apply that to your lives, the first point is the wrath of God. The wrath of God. Now, the wrath of God has changed over the years, or at least how the church perceives the wrath of God. There is a head of the Department of Evangelism for a very large denomination in America, 
And he said this, quote, quote, we don't need to evangelize the people of the world who have never heard the message of salvation. We don't need to evangelize them. He said, quote, we only need to announce to them that they are already saved, unquote. Now, he has taken the wrath of God completely out of the Bible. And he's teaching his denomination that evangelism has changed. It's now just a method of telling people that they're saved. No repentance, no faith. He believes that God is too loving and too gracious to send anyone to hell. Everyone ultimately will go to heaven. Of course, if that was true, there's no place for judgment in the proclamation of the gospel. So, if there's no place for the biblical evangelism, the person has a different gospel message. Uh, some years ago, there were 14 churches, a number of years ago, there were 14 churches that got together to make a new hymnal. The idea for their hymnal was great. They wanted to go to the book of Psalms and take the Psalms and make them into hymns. Good idea, right? Good idea. you got 14 churches getting together to make a new hymnal. They're going to use the book of Psalms. And this is what they came up with. <laughs> they came up with, and this was 1962. 1962, they came up with 84 psalms, 84 psalms out of the 150. 84 of them don't apply to today. Ask me why. why? Because it talks about the wrath of God in those psalms. Therefore, it can't be in our hymnal because we can't sing about the wrath of God. So, their great idea failed. People today deny that God has wrath. They come up with basically two answers to the problem, because there are only two answers to the problem. If you take away God's wrath, if you take away God's wrath, you have to believe in some sort of soul sleep. Soul sleep. This is where a person who does not know Jesus Christ, they, when they die, go to sleep. And they stay asleep forever. Second option is you have to have some type of form of universalism so that everyone who dies will eventually go to heaven. Will eventually go to heaven. So you have these two heresies that are now commonplace in every church you go to. If ever you win the lottery and move from Douglas and you're looking for a new church, that's a good question to ask. You ask the pastor, do you believe that God is wrathful? Every Saturday morning, 
I do an event, well, usually Saturday morning, sometimes Saturday afternoon. I do an event. I go to my uh, computer, and I look for illustrations. I have a file that has illustrations. I did not count them up. I estimated that on each page I have six illustrations, which came up to 5,516 illustrations. It takes me 30 minutes to search through them to find an illustration to use on Sunday morning. And it's funny how often I use the same one over and over again, but anyway, don't go, don't go there. So I look at these 5,516 illustrations, and I did this yesterday morning, and I was done quick. Because out of the 5,516 5, illustrations, I had four that talked about the wrath of God. It is a common thing happening today. There are less and less of an emphasis on the wrath of God. Here we go. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Verse 18. For the wrath of God. Stop there. For the wrath of God. What is the number one problem in the life of every person who's ever been alive on this planet and is still the problem for every person on this planet and every person that will be born this year? What is the biggest problem they have? The number one problem for each person is they are a child of wrath. They are born under the wrath of God. The sin that a person commits makes them <laughs> subject to the wrath of God. Every person has to deal with the wrath of God. The wrath of God has to be dealt with. Sinners need the gospel because of God's wrath being revealed from heaven. The root word occurs 12 times in our book of Romans as he explains what the gospel message is. 12 times. 12 times. 12 times. If we're going to make a, a pamphlet on how to be saved, guess what needs to be in that pamphlet? The wrath of God. I do not care if the world doesn't like the term or if it makes you feel uncomfortable, or if it makes you feel kind of, well, my God's not wrathful. Think things like that. The problem is, in a book where they're talking about the gospel message, explaining the gospel message, to a church Paul's not seen, wrath of God comes up and up and up and up and over and over and over again. If you're sharing your faith, guess what needs to be in your Sharing the wrath of God. The wrath of God. Outside the righteousness of faith, there's no hope or help exists for anybody under the wrath of God. All people who are apart from the gospel are under the wrath of God. Wrath is constantly unchanging reaction of God's holiness 
and righteousness to sin. It's God's reaction. It's his reaction to sin. Wrath is the only response a holy God could make to unholy men. The wrath of God is seen in disasters that befall sinful men in the course of history. Paul is clear that God is not inactive in the face of sin. The Bible in general, Paul in particular, sees God personally active in opposing sin. The believer cannot overlook the fact that the revelation of the wrath of God is in this context linked to the gospel. It's connected to verse 17. The gospel goes with the wrath of God. The wrath of God goes with the gospel. You take the wrath of God out of the gospel, you do not have a gospel. Paul was determined that understanding the reality of being under God's wrath, you have a reason to give hope and escape by the gospel message. Eternal life and wrath are realized now and in the future. The wrath of God is dealt with in 630 passages in the Bible. 630 passages deals with the wrath of God. It's interesting how you can't find songs about the wrath of God anymore. There used to be, in our hymnals, a large number of psalms songs concerning the wrath of God. Over the years, they've been taken out. They're not there. The wrath of God comes from God. God, His nature, His attitude towards sin is wrathful. A person has no reason to seek salvation from sin if he does not know what he's condemned to. If he doesn't understand the wrath of God, there's no reason to be saved. God's wrath is always and completely righteous. Turn to John chapter 3. Go down to verse 16 and go a little further. Gospel, verse 16. I want you to drop down to verse 36. 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God, what's the word? Abides or remains or dwells. Those are the English translations of that word. You have an abiding with wrath if you do not believe in Jesus Christ for your salvation. Rejecting Jesus Christ you will continually dwell in the wrath of God. <laughs> it's like God has a disease, an allergy. And his allergy is sin. And every time he gets a whiff of it, he has a reaction, the wrath of God. I was golfing a few weeks ago. I actually, I, have, I had to stop 
because I started sneezing. And I kept on sneezing. I sneezed like 15 times. It was hysterical. It made me think of my dad. I sneezed, just sneezed, just sneezed, just sneezed. And I looked around to see if there was a cat around me because that's what makes me sneeze. And I didn't see it. Got further away from that spot, and I felt better, and I didn't sneeze. God is like that. Every sin makes him want to react in wrathful ways. Righteous, wrathful ways. Every time we sin, and if you're not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, every time you sin, God wants to react in a wrathful way. This wrath of God is only stopped by His patience. That patience will run out one day. And you will stand under the wrath of God. See the word abides, abides, remains, dwells, present tense. It's a daily abiding with the non-believer. If you do not, if you are not saved, you will remain under the wrath of God. You will never leave the wrath of God. What are the two options for the child of wrath today? What are the two options for a child of wrath today? I give you two options. One, turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Chapter 5, verse 9. Much more then, having now been just justified by His blood, we shall be saved. What are you saved from? The wrath of God. How are you saved from the wrath of God? It comes through Him. Through Him refers to Jesus Christ. You, option number one, you have two options for wrath today. You by faith and repentance, can have the wrath of God you deserve placed upon a substitute, a kinsman redeemer, someone who will die in your place. That person is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will die in your place so that the wrath of God does not remain upon you. You will be saved from the wrath of God. You will be saved from the wrath of God and you will have a purpose for living the rest of your life and that's to tell people how to be saved from the wrath of God. The wrath of God will be placed upon Jesus Christ. And it occurred, I think, when the cross went dark that day, showing separation between God the Father and God the Son. And your wrath that you deserve was placed upon Him. And by faith and repentance, you can have that act imputed to you. Turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I could go a number of places. I could go 630 places. But we're only going to do a couple. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 5 and 6. Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. 
For this you know with certainty that no immoral, impure person or covenous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ. Why is that? Because a person under the wrath of God cannot inherit the kingdom of God. If you're under God's wrath, you get separation from God, not invitation to his kingdom. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Option two. Two, if you are living today under the wrath of God and you do not accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are being deceived by empty words that there is no such thing as the wrath of God or that God will weigh your good works compared to your bad works and you will somehow please Him or somehow you will die and your soul will sleep forever and it's just dead and you won't feel anything forever. Or you will think that somehow God will outweigh your bad things and everyone will go to heaven. Even your dog. Well, I've heard that at a funeral, didn't you? Dog will be in heaven too. Let no one deceive you. Imperative command. Do not let anyone deceive you with empty words. Present tense. Active. You're commanded to obey the truth and not deceiving words. If you, believe, if you hear deception, you hear empty words. I like that phrase there. Empty words. Full of air. <laughs> devoid of truth. <laughs> You're therefore deceived. You think God's wrath will be taken care of somehow other than payment, you're deceived. You, if you're a son of disobedience, you will experience the wrath of God. The wrath of God, you may not acknowledge today, but you will eventually one day in the future. Turn to the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation, chapter 11. What are two options that a child of wrath has in the future? We'll change the question just a little bit. From today to the future. Today, if you are under the wrath of God, you will be deceived and not believe the truth. Or you will place your wrath from God that you deserve upon a substitute. Jesus Christ. Revelation 11, verse 18. What are the two options for a child of wrath in the future? Want to pick up in the middle of the verse. You see uh, the dead to be judged and the time to reward your bondservant. The prophets, the saints, and those who fear your name, the small and great, and destroy those who destroy the earth. Option number one. Option number one, in the future. In the future, if you place your wrath that you deserve upon Jesus Christ as a substitute, there's one thing, or actually two things that will happen in the future. You'll be at peace with God. You'll be at peace with God, and you'll receive a reward. 
Oh, come on now. I expected somebody to laugh. You place your faith in Jesus Christ, in the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. All your sins, your wrath you deserve are placed upon Him. You don't do much of anything. Just faith and repentance. And you place your wrath that you deserve upon Jesus Christ. He dies for you. You get peace with God. The creator of the universe will be at peace with you and will give you a reward. Who's the only person in this universe that deserves a reward? Jesus Christ. But God out of his love will give you a reward. Just by being covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Just by accepting that gift that was given to you that will take care of the wrath of God. You will be at peace with God and you will receive a reward. That's better than any infomercial anywhere. At least smile. You understand? You get the gospel of Jesus Christ as a gift. You, by faith, place your faith in Jesus Christ and His work on the cross. And by that faith, you claim... (laughs) God says one day you'll get peace. And He'll throw in a reward. Option two. Option two. Go back to the beginning of the verse. And the nations were enraged. Okay? This will be the unbelieving nations in the future. They will be angry with God. Can you imagine that? They will attempt to have wrath against God. They will attempt to be angry with God. They will shake their fist at God. They will be enraged. And then your wrath will come. God's wrath will come. And the time will come for the dead to be judged. And the wrath of God will be handed out on an eternal basis. The nations were enraged. They get angry. (laughs) Option two. Okay, option one, get this. You get peace and reward. Option two, in the future, if you're still under the wrath of God, you will get angry. And a lot of good that anger will do. You will abide forever with the wrath of God. Forever. You will be awake. You will not be asleep. You will not have fun with your friends. You will not have a party you will have a time of experiencing the wrath of God. You will be at war with the wrath of God. God's wrath. The dead will be judged. All the enemies of God will receive their final defeat and judgment. Hebrews 10.31 says it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And it will be because of the wrath of God will be displayed against you forever and ever and ever. I don't care what sins you enjoy in this world. It's not worth it. I don't, think, I don't care what fun you think you're having. But for the 70 years you live on this planet, you need to get right with God. 
you need to get out from under the wrath of God. The wrath of God is totally tormenting, wrecking your life. I don't care if you think good things happened to you last week, you're under the wrath of God. You may have experienced the providence of God last week, but the wrath of God will display itself. Bad things happen to you when you go involved in sin and enjoy sin and live in sin. You get a life that's worse and worse and worse. The wrath of God will display itself in a present tense. And eventually in the future, you'll be angry with God. You'll see him. You'll shake your fist at him. Eventually you'll bow your knee before him. And you will experience the wrath of God forever. So you can have 70 years of what you think is fun. you'll experience the wrath of God. Now, you may think I'm done with the sermon. We're halfway, okay? I got one more point. We'll go through it quick. We'll get you to lunch by two, I promise. Okay? I have six things Six things that God does right now to get every sinner to understand the wrath of God. Six things so that you realize the wrath of God is real. Six things that you have to understand so that you realize the wrath of God is true and a reality and you are experiencing it. Six things God does for you. You ready? This is great. Here it comes. We'll go fast. Verse 18. Four. Okay, stop. See, I told you I'd be fast. Four points to what? What was before? Verse 17. What was before? Verse 17. 17 talked about what? What are six biblical revelations that are offered to a sinner to convince them to deal with the wrath of God today? Verse 17 talked about the gospel message and living faith by faith. The righteous person will be living by faith. Here it comes. Number one, the gospel message is revealed. Every time you share the gospel message, every time the gospel message is shared, the wrath of God has to be shared. It has to be. I do not think you are sharing the gospel message if you don't share the wrath of God. Somehow, some way, you've got to explain that you have a problem. And the problem is you're under the wrath of God. You need to be saved from the wrath of God. The gospel message is the only message in the world centered around Jesus Christ where you can be saved. Through Him, you can be saved. Romans 5. You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He has to claim to die on the cross, taking upon Himself your wrath. He has to stand up as your <laughs> prosecutor and defender. He has to say that person is a child of God because I died and went to a cross to cover their sins. The gospel message has to be revealed. The, 
Paul thought the world was ready for the coming of Jesus Christ because he thought his world couldn't get any worse. We've gotten worse. Second, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Revealed from heaven. Number two, God allows the wrath of God to be revealed. One of the things God does periodically is he reveals the wrath of God. I love Luke. Luke was talking about the Tower of Siloam, and the Tower of Siloam fell, and Jesus was asked by the disciples, why did it fall and kill all those people in Jerusalem? And the answer came, so that you would repent. There are acts that you can point to in the newspaper, in this world, in this city, in this town, that happen because of the wrath of God. And the purpose it happens is so that you will repent. There are things that occur that you can point to in your life where God tries to work that. And you look at a life of a non-believer, you will see points in time where they will see it. They may call it a bad day. They may call it an accident. They may call it whatever. But they'll try to explain it away. And they will not say that it's God working in their life to get them to repent. Wrath will be revealed, present tense. First word in the Greek verse, used for emphasizing. Present tense, passive. God will work his wrath, and you'll see it every day. You'll see it every day. The revelation of God's wrath is taking place in frustrations, futilities, disasters that result from human ungodliness and unrighteousness. The wrath of God is being revealed every day when you share the gospel message. It's the first step in judgment. Will be The first step in wrath will be the death of a person. From heaven, it comes from heaven, it's divine. It <laughs> refers to God. God is executing His divine will. King David said God is a righteous judge and God who has indignation every day. If you don't have Jesus Christ... you will experience the wrath of God. And if you don't see it in your life, tell me about your day, and I will point out the spots where God's wrath displayed itself. And if you think you had a good day, that's okay, fine. Maybe you did, by the promise of God. But eventually you'll have one day at a great white throne that'll begin the wrath of God. Third, <clears throat> against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Ungodliness is sin. God reveals sin so that you know that you're under the wrath of God. There is no little white lies. When you tell a lie, you're participating in sin. Sin is to remind you of the wrath of God. Sin points to the wrath of God. Every time you do something wrong and your conscience perks you or you remember a sermon or you remember or whatever, that's sin making you think about the wrath of God. The sin of ungodliness is towards you, towards God. All the sins you can commit towards you and God. Unrighteousness. 
Unrighteousness is all the sins you can commit between you and me, you and other people. All those sins that can be committed between you and another person, that's unrighteousness. So we got everything covered. You and sinning against God, you sinning against me. And all those sins do one thing, point to the wrath of God. You have wrath. You have wrath because you have sin. Fourth, men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Truth is revealed. Truth is revealed. Truth is revealed every time you share with them what you learned on Sunday morning. Truth is revealed every time you share a testimony of how God changed your life. Truth is revealed by pointing to the great creation work of God every morning when it's beautiful out or when dust comes and you have a beautiful sunset. When you share that with everybody, you're sharing the truth. The truth of God. And how do they react to the truth? They try to suppress it. They try to suppress it. All sin is due to a sinner acting against the knowledge of truth. Every person in a natural incline to follow sin will deny the truth. God's wrath is directed towards the the people who suppress the truth. And every non-believer suppresses the truth. Every non-believer thinks incorrectly about God the Father. They reject the knowledge they have. And because they reject the knowledge they have, they remain under the wrath of God. Fifth, verse 19. Because which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. Within them. God reveals Himself. God reveals Himself. And He does it to every single person in this world. He reveals knowledge about Himself. This is probably talking about natural revelation or general revelation where God through creation reveals Himself. God through the events of this world reveals Himself. That He reveals that you are a sinner under wrath. He doesn't give you enough information to know how to be saved, but He gives you enough to want to know how to be saved. And that will come when you look at the Bible, when you hear the good news. It'll get you ready. But God reveals Himself to everyone. The natural revelation is designed to bring you to the recognition that you need special revelation. And it's within you. It's in your heart. It's in your conscience. It's in how God made you. God made you so that you would know that you need God. God reveals Himself. Six. The end of the verse, for God made it evident to him, made it evident to them. Six biblical revelations that are offered to a sinner convince them to deal with the wrath of God today. Number six, grace is revealed. Grace is revealed. Those times of providence where God actually gives a sinner a bad, a good day when he deserves a bad day. That providence, that grace, that love. God reveals it, makes it evident to people. He shows Himself. Man cannot change God, charge God with hiding Himself from the world. God presents Himself, gives you every good thing He can so that you would respond to the gospel message. But guess what? If you're under wrath, you'll try to suppress the truth. 
And eventually what you'll have is the great white throne is you'll have wrath that will not last a day, wrath that will not last a week, not a month, not years, not 70 years. Matthew 25 says eternal punishment. Mark 3 says eternal condemnation. Hebrews 6 says eternal judgment. Thessalonians 1 says everlasting destruction. Matthew 18 says eternal fire. Mark 9 says unquenchable fire. Revelation 19 says eternal torment. And it will be the worst thing you've ever experienced. Application. Will I communicate the true message of God? Will I communicate the true message of God to every person abiding under the wrath of God that I meet this week? so that they will be free and have a time of reward in the future. You want them to be free from the wrath of God. You want them to have a reward time in the future. You do not want them at the great white throne. If they are deceived, you try to correct them. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you communicate them the truth. And you ask God to work and correct them. Salvation is by faith and the work of Jesus Christ. During World War II, the big three got together, Roosevelt, Churchill, and Stalin. They tried to agree on strategy. When Stalin gave his reason or excuse for not agreeing with the two of them, Roosevelt and Churchill, they said, that's no reason for your refusal. Stalin replied with a story of two Arabs. One Arab asked the other man to lend him his rope. The other Arab replied, I can't. I need it to tie my camel. The first Arab Arab reminded him, his companion, that he didn't own a camel. To which the companion replied, I know that. But when you don't want to lend your rope, you have to have an excuse. That's as good as any other. Excuses offered to God are in the same category. We simply don't have one when it comes to the wrath of God. Your non-believing friend needs to hear the truth and needs to come from you. You need to share with them the truth that they are under the wrath of God and will be forever. And you don't want it for them. You want them to show the way of freedom And reward. Father, I thank you for this time in your word. I pray, Father, that you would be with us this week as we go out trying to tell people that the wrath of God is not a way to live. That there is a solution to the problem of the wrath of God, and it's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Father, I pray for people that we'll meet this week. Pray, Father, that we will give them a gentle, calming oil to heal their hurt that comes from being under the wrath of God. And tell them, Father, that there's a way of escape, that it's through Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that you would give us the words, even now, prepare our hearts, even now. Make us ready, Father, for these times where we'll encourage people 
to rest in Jesus Christ because He's the only solution that will lead to peace and reward. There's only one way. It's through Jesus Christ. Pray, Father, first off for somebody in this room that maybe doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. They come to church. They come to a good church. But they don't truly believe. They don't truly know. They don't truly have their trust in Jesus Christ. They truly don't realize they're under the wrath of God. I pray, Father, that you somehow this week would work wrath in their life so they know that it comes from heaven, that it comes from you, that you're angry with them, so that they will come, Father, and ask for a solution because the solution's found in Jesus Christ. Pray, Father, you start a revival. Start it in this church, Father. Start it with us getting serious about our own salvation. Stop playing games. Thank you, Father, for this time in your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.